Hello and welcome to The Other Marthas, the show where a drama student and a film graduate try to make sense of things we wish we were qualified in instead, with a focus on history, mystery and all things morbid. A quick disclaimer before we get started, we don't claim to be experts in any of the fields we'll be discussing, so while everything we say will be based on individual research, it's all a bit of fun and we suggest that you take it with a pinch of salt. I'm Martha, I'm the drama student. And I'm the other Martha, the film graduate. So Martha, what am I going to be talking about today? Um, from what you've informed me of, you're going to be telling me about the Pied Piper of Hamelin and the That's true story right. behind it. Uh, it's going to be a fun one today because uh, inspired by Martha's retelling of the true story behind Moby Dick, I decided to look into some uh, fairy tales and the true stories behind them. And it turns out there's a lot and they're horrifying. But the Pied Piper of Hamelin um, is particularly interesting because it doesn't just have one story. It has multiple theories and all of them are quite weird because they all have to end with children being led into a hole in the mountain and never appearing again um yeah most fairy tales <laughs> don't give you so uh i thought i'd go with that one no it's a good time i'm looking forward to it so i'll start off with um a sort of overview of the story for anyone who's unfamiliar or needs a refresher so the pied piper of hamelin it's set in 1284 in hamelin which is in lower saxony in germany it still exists um the story basically goes that Hamelin suffers from a big rat infestation and the king or just the people of Hamelin, someone in charge, offer a big old reward for anyone who can rid the town of these rats. And so a brightly clad piper turns up and says, ah, oh, yes, I will take this reward. I can charm the rats away. Uh, the king says, thank you very much. Please do that. So he does. He plays his pipe. He charms the rats and he leads them into a lake where they all drown. So the rats are gone. Problem over. Fantastic. Then the piper goes back to the king and he says, hello, all the rats are gone. Um, can I have my reward, please? And the king says, well, no, because now the rats are gone and I see no reason to part with my wealth. The king is, is just a, a bit of a douchebag, um, which is what? part of the moral of the story. Because, oh, well, don't don't feel too, you know, sorry for the piper just but, yet. No, but to be fair, mm. as, you know, like, he should have, here's what the piper should have done. Yeah. He should have said, pay me half now. And half And later. then when the rats are gone, give me the other half. Because at least then, he, yes. Because at least then he's got half the money that he's owed. Yeah, I would say as well, I think at this point, the king is desperate enough that the piper could say, well, I, I know I can do it, but I'm not going to do anything until you give me the money. But anyway, the piper was trusting. Um, no, I bet, no, I bet he was like, you pay me now. And the king was like, no, I'll pay you after okay, the rats Probably. We don't because... know the intricacies of the bargaining that went on here. Although, um, to be fair, if I was the oh piper, then I would have been like, okay, well, <laughs> if you're not going to pay me, then I'm not going to lure your rats away. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, well, will, I guess I'll just sit here waiting for more of your people to die of, you know, rats. Um, but anyway, yeah. uh, he did not get his promised reward. And so the piper returns to Hamlin um and plays his little pipe again and this time all of the children of the town come out of their doors and they're charmed by the music and they dance in a procession led by the piper they all follow him into a big hole in the mountain when they're all in the mountain closes around them and they're never seen again <gasps> where have our children gone now depending just make more children yeah i don't think that's really the point like they want it's, it's not that they're like oh god what about the next generation they're like oh no it was heinrich's birthday tomorrow he'll be so sad 
Right, okay, and sorry, I was just it, thinking. It's, I was just <laughs> thinking of... Procreation. Of, this is parental love and affection, Martha. Oh, I always forget about that. But this is a long time ago, so people, like... Like, well, you yeah, would have, is, like, they're... 12 children and be like, oh, well, if one survives, I'm But none well. of them have. Um, the only, there are three survivors from this whole town, or one, depending um, on which version of events you hear. Um, in both versions of the story, there's one child who survives because he is unable to walk. He's physically handicapped, so he can't follow the other children up the mountain. And in another version of events, there are two other children who survive, one of whom is deaf, and so they can't hear the music. Um, so they're not charmed by it. One of whom is blind, um, so they can't sort of see to follow the kids up the mountain path. Um, well, I hope someone kept an eye on that child, so they weren't just like, oh, well, I do want to be kidnapped, but I just can't see the way I'm I going. And then they well, fall, I imagine like, when the music yeah, I think when the music stopped, the spell was sort of broken, and it's this child or these children, depending on the version of the story or reading. Um, who then tell the adults what's happened. Um, I'm not sure why the adults couldn't see what's happened, but I think they were all asleep or inside or something, and then the piper just played his merry pipe and they didn't realise their children were all running out into the street and up the mountain. Yeah, maybe uh, the parents were all busy. Yeah, sure. Uh, and basically, the moral of that story is keep your promise or your children might disappear into a mountain. Straightforward fairy tale stuff. Um, so that's the basic story. Now, there's a general consensus that this tale is... Ba are you putting up your hand or are you just grimacing? I'm stroking... I've got a new pen and it's it's a tin tinsel octopus pen. And I was stroking my face with it because I thought it'd feel nice, but it felt absolutely <laughs> horrible. But for some reason I couldn't stop. Well, from my viewpoint, you were half putting your hand up and just looking disgusted. And I really didn't know um, what you were trying to do. That's fine. Well, I, no. I felt disgusted. Well, I'm glad you stopped disgusting yourself now. Uh, so yeah, there's a general consensus that this tale is based in truth. There are many indications that it is. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that no single theory has been agreed upon critically. The earliest known record of an event like this taking place is a stained glass window which was created for the market church in Hamelin in about 1300 AD. Um, so very close to when the supposed event happened. Uh, now though the church and the window were destroyed in 1660. There are several written accounts of it and there's also um, a painted recreation from 1592. Uh, I've seen this recreation, obviously not it, I've seen a photo of it that's online. Um, and basically it depicts a piper in the bottom left of the picture. He's dressed in brightly striped clothes and a hat. Um, he's piping away. And then the rest of the image is a kind of map of Hamelin in the surrounding countryside. And there's a parade of small figures heading up towards a big gash in this mountain above the town. Um, they seem to be being led by another version of the Colourful Piper character. It's kind of hard to probably make out. It took me a while. I thought the Piper didn't have a head and then I realised I was looking at it the wrong way. Um, but they're being led by the same Piper or another version of him. Uh, now, while I thought it was interesting that while the road they were following seems to be leading directly into this big hole in the mountain, um, right next to that big hole there's also some kind of like fort-like building so it's possible that that's where they're headed but um, that's basically what we have there. Um, now the oldest written account 
of this event comes from the Lüneburg manuscript, which uh, is dated around 1440-1450, and it states, in the year of 1284, on the day of Saints John and Paul, on June 26th, by a piper clothed in many kinds of colours, 130 children born in Hamelin were seduced and lost at the place of execution near the Coppen. Uh, now, I did try to look up what was meant by both the place of execution and the Coppen here, but the best I can find was about types of climate called Köpen. Um, and the verb Coppen seems to be about horses burping. So I don't know what that means. Um, Coppen, could it be like an opening then? If it's like the maybe, burp? and I could find in like in what seemed to be maybe Dutch or Danish to my untrained eye, um, it seems to mean something like market, maybe, but um, I, I don't know. Uh, it's just a place. Um, although the place of execution thing makes me think maybe that's what the fort is. Maybe it's a, a, a what do you call it? Gallows or something like that. Yes. So um, was this manuscript like someone trying to write history? Yes. Okay. Um, as opposed to like a, a fun story. So, yeah, the Lunenburg manuscript, I think, is various Germanic histories. I could be wrong, but that's the indication I got. Um, okay, next question. Yes. Was there a gap in the generation? Because... Oh, census-wise. Well, census-wise or however they were doing it at the time. Mm. Because, like, if there's, like, the oldest person you have is 60, mm. and then, like, the next oldest you have is, like, 42, mm. then obviously you're like, oh, where are all of the oh, people I see. in this gap? Oh, yeah. well, they're the children that were taken into the mountain well, by the pine. I think there are some records of the children who were said to have disappeared, but I don't know that there are any existing records that would indicate whether or not there was that generational gap, um, because yeah, it was well, in 1282 or whatever I said it was. When was it? 84. 80, thank you. 1284. So like, I don't know, basically. Yeah. Um, okay. But it... It seems that it's been indicated, yes, but I don't think any of it is based on um, generational gaps. I don't know. Because I was uh, thinking that's like the only concrete way you would know unless you found all child corpses in a mountain. Yeah, but I, as far as I know, I don't think there are any records of people of that age. And given that it was like a thousand years ago, that's not much. Yeah, it is. Well, like, okay, like 800 years ago. It's the same. It's, it was ages ago. I don't know yeah. if there were people who were 50 or not. Um, there's also a supposedly a document um, on the history of Hamelin from 1384, which simply states, it is 100 years since our children left, which is just kind of creepy as heck. Um, and that's apparently all it really says on the matter. Um, what we do know is that nowadays the street on which the children were supposedly last seen by the adults is called Bungelosenstrasse or the street without drums and no music or dancing is permitted there. Um, I looked it up on Google Images and um, it's quite cool. It says Bungelosenstrasse on the like street sign. And then underneath is a little plaque which reads Bunger equals Trommel, so Bunger equals drums. Uh, Strasse ohne Musik, which means street without music. 
angeblicher Aufzug der himmlischen Kinder durch diese Straße. Um, which just means the alleged procession of um, children from Hamelin through this street. Um, so it just has a, a little history there. So, That's so interesting that there are, that there are um, like, kind of footprints of it. Yeah, I know. Like, but we haven't seen like, because obviously it's ages ago, and I know mm. that. But so there are records, there are things on streets saying it, and there are accounts of people saying, "Oh, two hundred years ago, oh, children, this whoa. happened." Yeah, and being unnecessarily mysterious about it, they're like, "Oh, it's not like it's been a hundred years since that plague killed our children, or since that weird man well, led our children away." Yeah. Like, since they left us, just um, for a fun note in history mm. i believe it was like 1347 that the bubonic plague hit europe uh yes i have a note about that actually um so yes maybe they just were bad at counting years or something <laughs> maybe and they were like i actually i will come to that in just a second so hold that thought um because that was our, that was my first thought when yeah. you said rats and rats. children are dying i thought plague yes. Um, well, that was a lot of people's first thought, actually, um, when it came to what happened to the children of Hamelin in 1284. So one kind of prominent theory that has been largely debunked, but that a lot of scholars thought um, was that the Piper was a personification of death or specifically the bubonic plague, hence the rats. Um, mm. And the whole kind of, oh, the rats are dead, but now, oh, no, our children are gone as well. Maybe Hamelin thought it had been cured of the plague, possibly it sent for someone who was like, ah, oh, I have cured you, and then all their children died. Arguments, kind of counter-arguments to that are, A, the Black Death was supposedly most prominent in Europe between kind of 1348 and 1350, um, mm. similar to what you were saying, um, which is over half a century after the incident is supposed to have taken place. Um, and certainly we know that it will have preceded 1300 when the um, stained glass window was built so it seems unlikely not impossible but unlikely b it turns out the rats weren't added to the story until the 16th century when a guy called count von simon uh, remade the story in the simon chronicle and um added in the rats um, and see why would the plague only affect the children um i think there is an argument that children are among the more vulnerable um and the more contagious group yeah the plague is looking less likely but possibly more of something that uh after the event storytellers may have tried to rationalize it as and therefore added in things like the rats yes so what was the original story then that the pied piper came along and just stole the children for fun i think so that's the thing is that we don't know because it wasn't initially a story it was initially something that happened but people were really vague about it so i guess there was a thing ah yeah remember that 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 story on the stained glass window where a piper led away our children like the uh, the document that i read you um about them being seduced and led away near the place of execution um yeah and then someone went oh, that's a good story and then i guess this count von simon was like well i need the piper to have a reason to do this so maybe it was revenge because he charmed some rats away first and that was good I could see, though, mm. um, in defence of this theory, mm. not that it's the Black Death, but that it's a disease that killed off a lot of children. Yes. 
and that the piper was the death. personification of that disease and death yeah because i mean obviously it's slightly weird that there's it's so um agree it's so agreed upon that they walked this way and music was involved mm. and stuff like that so that's what goes against the theory but i could mm. see it being if they're being so vague about it yeah because like it would make sense if if a man came and played his flute and loads of children left i yeah. think people would be more saying like, oh, a man, a man came, came and, played and played his flute yeah whereas because they're saying like oh we lost our children they were led to the place of execution you know yeah. it's sort of like i agree it feels euphemistic yeah it also feels like they don't quite know what happened there's also a theory of alien abduction i didn't even bother looking into that oh um, no you should have done you can't shut down uh, the, the uh, tree. Uh, uh, excuse me you shut down bigfoot in the murderous mountain mystery um yes, it's i don't think there's actually prints. a theory of alien abduction it's just basically some people going oh it could have been an alien abduction um and i i'm not going to bother going into that because there are so many more interesting and actually likely tales so uh other theories include the possibility of the children being sent away due to extreme poverty which was sometimes done at this time um going to touch on hansel and gretel here just in that um if you don't know the story of hansel and gretel it basically starts with a family being so afflicted by poverty that they decide to leave their children to their own devices in the forest and then hijinks ensue um hijinks hijinks of, like a of witch trying to eat trying them. to eat you and then baking her in her own oven which um is actually something that happened. Hansel and Gretel was a combination of um, the just a, getting children, I guess, to understand the extremes that poverty could push families to. Um, and also uh, this woman, I didn't know her name down because this isn't on Hansel and Gretel, but basically she was a really successful gingerbread baker. And then one man in the village who was a rival baker was so envious of her gingerbread recipe that he tried to accuse her of witchcraft so she fled but then uh, her neighbours brought her back and burnt her in her own oven so um don't just this guy just couldn't accept that a woman was better at something i know if someone has a good that... gingerbread recipe good for them just leave Maybe it there ask them yeah what <laughs> don't accuse is. them of witchcraft god um but yeah, so the, the, the kind of poverty explanation is possible. Another theory I'll brush over uh, is just that they were taken by pagans and perished in a landslide. The reason I'm mentioning that is because I think a landslide is a possibility if people literally saw their children going up a mountain and then suddenly they weren't there anymore. Like, I feel like you'd have to be quite unobservant to not notice a landslide. But then again if they're really high up the mountain or if you just don't really understand landslides either way it looks like the mountains kind of swallowed them um yes but i would say that people that live by a mountain would have an understanding of landslides agreed but if they were then sort of telling the tale they might it might be kind of romanticized almost into a you know and then our children went up the mountain and it swallowed them or it closed around them like they know that's a landslide but that might be i don't know the the language they might use can i ask um why the pagans are in the theory um i think the pagans are in the theory just because someone wanted to say pagans <laughs> um i don't know why why they would have tried to lead the children away 
maybe to convert them. There's literally no reason that I have seen. They were just like, well, maybe the children died in a landslide because pagans. Okay. It's the idea I've got. I might They're be just doing being rude to, to pagans then. Yeah, unless of course there's a massive fear I haven't uncovered there, but I don't think there is. Um, now we're on to my first theory that's actually quite juicy, which I quite okay. like, which is the theory of the dancing plague, which Woo! was uh, an epidemic that afflicted uh, Europe's kind of cropped up here and there uh, between about 1200 and 1600-ish. Um, the most famous incidence of this was in uh, Strasbourg in the Alsace region of uh, now France in 1518, mm -hmm. uh, during which somewhere between, depending on reports, 50 and 400 people began dancing fervently for days on end for no apparent reason, um, often until they ended up dying. Um, now the reports and numbers of the deaths and the exact symptoms do differ quite a lot. But what's generally agreed is that the epidemic began with one woman, possibly a woman mm -hmm. called Frau Trophea, or something like yeah. that, um, dancing wildly in a square. She's then joined by a group of primarily young women, um, and this epidemic sort of spreads outwards from there. Um, there are medical records and town censuses to back this up. Um, bishops and doctors were called in, they tried to get it under control. Um, at some point they were sort of restraining people and trying to hospitalize them but they would still be trying to dance the source remains essentially a mystery now john waller who wrote a time to dance and time to die which martha has read well hey i have not um points out that the supposed fatalities um only seem to come in in later retellings i think so um there's some skepticism as to whether people actually died of this whether it was getting confused with um, records of deaths of the plague at a similar time and then this dancing epidemic didn't actually result in people dying. Um, but other modern theories which I find really interesting include the theories that the dance may have been a symptom of effectively mass food poisoning um, due to the effects of a toxic and psychoactive chemical product of ergo fungi um, which grows commonly on uh, grains we use uh, in bread making like rye and wheat. Um, so it's basically uh, an early form of LSD. It's been similarly implicated in things like the Salem witch trials, um, during which several girls seem to suffer hallucinations or become possessed. Uh, however, as Waller argues, A, ergotism only really induces that kind of level of hallucination and bizarre, apparently um, unintentional behaviour when it's combined with opiates. Um, right, which I just find quite funny because it's like, is that not just the opiates? Like, if I had spaghetti and then heroin, and then I went, oh my god, the combination of spaghetti and heroin is mad. Well, no, I think because I mean, there could be. I mean, that could be possible though because people would take the seed of the pot poppy. That's true. Milk actually. of poppy as painkiller. True, 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 true. Though the mostly they were probably having willow, weren't they? Yeah, probably, um, or just you know biting on some bark and hoping it'd go away, I guess. Well, willow bark is painkiller. It is. Quinine and all that salicylic jazz. Um, salicylic salicylic jazz. jazz. That's right. That's the next um, hit single from the other I'm looking markers. forward to it. Salicylic jazz. Um, right. So that's A, only really effective when combined with opiates. B, um, it would affect individuals differently. So it's a bit weird that all of them would... Um, dance yeah uh and see the outbreak occurred around a 
junction of two rivers. I didn't write down their names, but basically they would have supplied areas with the same water, but the areas all had different climates and crops. So it's unlikely that ergo fungi would have been growing on the grain in all of these different areas. So that's the food poisoning theory, um, yeah. which is, I just think is fascinating that like possibly eating effectively some slightly mushroomy bread might make you dance until you die. That's crazy. Yeah, you need to watch out. Yeah, yeah, guys, careful. Um, another theory uh, is one of mass hysteria, which I think is probably the most common theory. Um, probably just due to the very, very stressful period um, going on in Alsace at the time. Um, I don't really know details. It was just apparently very brutal. I know some details. Yeah, go on, go ahead. I don't know all the details. For 10 years, their crops failed. Mm. So like every time so they plant all their lovely seeds and then they wait for them to grow and then they all die. So people are like starving hungry in like poverty. There's poo all over the streets. Oof. Like it's just the most miserable existence. It's seeming also then more credibility to the food poisoning theory as well, because you would eat your mushroomy bread if you were starving, wouldn't you? Yeah, so like, even just not having enough to eat for like 10 years, basically. It's stressful. Is... Yes. Yeah. Um, and then when you add the fact that you're a peasant in the 1500s in Europe, it's like, just that's generally also... not fun just generally quite yeah. stressful yeah that um, helps thank you so the other thing that i want to talk about yeah. with the mass hysteria theory that you had mm. is that there's some evidence that initially what they did to um in some way i suppose aid the afflicted mm. people was that they built a stage for them Oh my god, so they're um, like, we'll get it out of their system, they can have like a real dance. Yeah, <laughs> they built a stage, they had music playing, oh, like a band. Yeah, I heard about the band. They had um, people that weren't afflicted to dance along <laughs> with the afflicted so and funny. help them when they collapsed and force them to keep dancing. Oh my god. It's just bizarre because... Um, it seems like my belief of it is that one woman was really stressed <laughs> and she for some reason started to dance mm. and then other people who were also really stressed saw her doing that and it triggered something in their mind yeah. that they joined in and so when you're then putting these people on a stage it's you're allowing more people to come and see the dancing and I agree. I don't think that was join in best idea. Yeah, they. It, well, it's interesting as well because there's kind of question marks over the amount of agency the dancing people would have had. I mean, if it's mass hysteria, even if you're going, yes, I want to dance off this horrible thing, you're not exactly under your own control because that's not a logical thing to do, especially yeah, also, until you die. The main, the woman who they think started hmm. it. Um, when she she would collapse and when she would come round from collapsing she would scream for help yes right for and people to stop her yeah so then I'm seems... just oh. with this no one has ever told me what kind of dancing they're doing like are they doing a jig or are they no. just shuffling miserably 
so uh, I think what they were doing was like flinging their arms around and just kind of looking like they were having a fit, basically, but standing up. In a, yeah, standing up in an irregular way. But this is the thing, it seems to me like the people dancing quite clearly didn't want to be dancing. Um, oh yeah, the stage was a bizarre choice. Yeah, yeah, I can see how out of desperation you might try a different strategy, but um, <laughs> specifically the mass hysteria theory here um, is that psychogenic illness, essentially, so just this mass stress and, uh, and dancing response, may have caused a chorea, uh, which is random and unintentional movements flitting between body parts. Essentially, it's kind of like a twitch but just hugely magnified and everywhere uh, which may have kind of looked like dancing which makes some sense to me like uh, a lot of people when under huge stress will develop tics and things and apparently a chorea is something that can happen where you just start flinging yourself around the conclusion of all that is that um it's possible that uh this group of children in hamelin may have been afflicted by a similar dancing plague um, and whether it was one of those weird strategies where it was, ah, well, maybe we'll exert them by playing a flute and leading them up a mountain, or whether it was just a case of they all died of the dancing plague and they decided to um, tell the story of that because they really couldn't explain it with just the children going away, being led away by a dance. Um, yeah, because I suppose this was like... 200, 200 years after there was the dancing plague in Strasbourg, the Hamlin one was way before that. Yes. So they wouldn't have been like, oh, you know that thing that happened in Strasbourg? It's happened here. Exactly. It would be like, why are our children dancing? And I can kind of see how one particular age group might be affected in a way that others aren't or that the kind of mass herd hysteria type thing might be more common among a peer group than necessarily to everyone because you're on a bit of a different wavelength you might have different stresses um yeah with the strasbourg dancing play mm. the way that they ended up curing it was um that they led the dancers up to a shrine i can't remember what saint it was it might have been sent like vetus or something like mm. that they led to his shrine, they were wearing red shoes, and they lapped his shrine as they danced, and they recovered. And the one of the theories is that they recovered from this because they believed that they had been um, like cursed yeah. by this saint, or by God, and by doing penance at the shrine, they then believed that they were cured. Yeah, and so then they were able. Yeah, it wouldn't even have to be that logical, just in the sense of if you're at a place where it's like you're here to be cured by this saint, it and it's essentially like a psychosomatic illness. Then all you need is that impressionability. Um, That's really interesting, actually. I didn't know that they were led away. So my point is, is that if they were led, these people were led off to a shrine. Maybe the children were led off. Mm. somewhere to cure their dancing plague and maybe maybe it didn't didn't go go well well yeah maybe the landslide theory then comes in or maybe they just all died up there and yeah i think it's so frustrating because i just want someone from like hamlin in 12 (laughs) all right here's what happened here's the tea 
It's the diary of me, Maria from Hamlin. Today, the weirdest thing happened. Imagine discovering that. That would be phenomenal. Um, come on, Hamlin. Now we get on to two theories that are a bit less morbid and more nice. kind of organisational. And I think these are the most likely. The last one is my favourite, but I'll go through them both. So one theory suggests that this kind of a mass accident would have been on behalf of the children's crusades which is a fabled movement which um sort of took place from france and germany by christian crusaders looking to regain the holy land jerusalem essentially from the muslims who were um living there at the time um so the children's crusades are kind of they're, they're legend they're part rumor there's some truth in it in general it's thought to be a kind of combination of a lot of small things but not really a movement as it's often told uh, but it's rumored to have taken place around 1212 so a bit earlier than the whole hamelin situation led by stephen of cloys in france and nicholas of cologne in germany in the german version it is apparent that nicholas of cologne um, who was a shepherd in the rhineland region of germany at the time was trying to lead a group of crusaders primarily children across the alps believing that the sea would then part for them to cross to uh the holy land uh, he wanted to lead them across the alps to italy and then walk across where the sea used to be um whereupon they would arrive the muslim settlers in jerusalem would go oh my god how'd you get here they would go the sea parted for us because we are catholic and muslims would go great we're catholic too now you know as you do uh long story short obviously it didn't work um primarily because the sea didn't part but also because um, this was just a shepherd setting off with a load of children across the Alps to just keep walking um, to Italy. So it was stupid. Loads of them died along the way because these are poor medieval kids just trekking. Um, some of the children may have made it from Pisa to Palestine on a couple of ships. More likely, merchants on these ships went oh yeah you want to get to the holy land young children yep yep off you go and then sold them as slaves is the probability um but yeah most likely the combination the tale is kind of a combo of failed crusades merchants tricking children into being sold into slavery um but the idea the image of a procession of children being led over the mountains never to be seen again does kind of fit with the tale um how did the shepherd guy get these children i have no idea i think the thing i don't think he went hey children come with me i think it was more of a case of this shepherd guy kind of went around preaching in some towns and a few very zealous religious sort of evangelical people went yeah no take my children to this holy land i think that's a good idea like i, I could imagine a religious man like playing an instrument and exactly. then preaching and convincing parents to send their children away. Yeah, it seems, I think it fits more with the character of the Piper, doesn't it? To have this kind of cultish figure who's like, I'm a leader and I'm going to lead you to a better life. The final theory, which is Ooh. very similar to the Crusades, except that rather than something that may have kind of happened, it's something that did happen which okay. is why it seems more plausible to me. So this is backed up in much more accurate academic detail by Jack Zines, who writes critically on and also translates fairy tales. And he also has a podcast in which he discusses theories just like these. So if you found this interesting, go over there and um, find out how much better I could have done. Uh, but he's a published author. Like uh, Anyway, 
Um, yeah, his podcast is called Astonishing Legends. Check it out. Uh, so this theory basically argues that the mass movement of children from Hamelin might have been the work of a locator as a part of the, hold on, Ostseedlung, which is the medieval colonization of Eastern Europe by um, Germans from the Holy Roman Empire, mainly from the Rhenish, Flemish and Saxon territories. Um, bearing in mind Hamelin is, as we've said, in West Saxony. This was a migration from these areas into places inhabited since the Great Migration by largely Bolts, Romanians, Hung Hungarians and Slavs since the 6th century, um, largely colonising the area from Estonia in the north to Slovenia in the south, so Central and Eastern Europe, essentially, being colonised by Germans. Um, the German spoken in these regions is generally referred to as Volksdeutsch, as opposed to Hochdeutsch, so like folk German rather than high German. It's a little bit of prejudice going on there. Um, as a result of the post-1994 German flight or expulsion of Germans from Central and Eastern Europe, um, there are now fewer what's known as ethnic Germans living in those areas, but the influence is still felt and German is still, um, or variations of German is still spoken in regions of it. So, uh, the Ostseedlung would have been in full force in Saxony around 1284, and overpopulation at the time meant that the younger generations were often sent to colonise areas to the east. Um, and the officials in charge of these migrations were called locators. They're supposedly dressed in really bright colours, which fits the Piper's image. Um, whether that's to be more kind of appealing to children or not, I don't know. Um, and for the adults left behind, it would have been essentially as though their children were led into the mountains never to return. But again, with a more hopeful ending um, in that they're essentially led through the mountains to a new life elsewhere. Um, some scholars have tried to track down, I've written the genealogies, that's not quite what I mean. They've tried to track down essentially the family names um, of right. some of the children who were said to have disappeared. I don't know where they found those names, but hey. Um, and they claim to have found families descended from those names across Eastern Europe as far as Poland. Um, so it's definitely a possibility. Jack Zipes um, also cites documents which supposedly allude to the presence of a locator around Hamelin at the time. So that also supports this theory. Um, that's pretty much it. I think, considering how little we know and what we do have as quite concrete factors like the Brightly Jess Piper, the fact that the children disappeared, the being led into the mountain, definitely fits with this last locator theory the most, um, in that we know that children were sometimes led by brightly coloured people over the mountains from Saxony, into uh, Central and Eastern Europe, but on perhaps more kind of almost personal or detail levels, things like the Dancing Plague also offer a really interesting insight. Um, yeah, what do you think? Um, do we know like the years in which these children were taken off to colonise? Um, I believe it was sort of between 1200 and like 1400 when the plague got big and that's when it sort of stopped because they didn't want to spread it but right. it, uh, either way I found it hard to actually find out when it, it kind of started but yeah I know that 1284 was quite a height of it apparently okay okay no I was just because like obviously <laughs> I'm not trying to criticize 
the guy who's like done all the research i just <laughs> wanted to check that it happened yeah, yeah. within the years yeah, because yeah, sometimes yeah. in history you're like oh yeah this thing definitely happened and then it's like yes but that happened 200 years after so yeah yeah no um i think that you're i think the last two are feel the most likely and mm. because the children's crusades have less firm evidence yeah. behind them um i think the last theory that you told me about is quite interesting could have been depending on the age of the children because they say children but it could have been like really young children not mm. and teenagers not so sort of like i don't know like 10 to 15 right mm. this um what what is it locator mm. Like, he could have come in and not seduced them with music, but said, I'm going to these countries, and it's it's by the order of the king, and it's going to be like this, and you'll have riches beyond compare, and food every day, and... Mm. And who wants to come with me? And then people put their hands up, and he's like, well, all I needed was their consent. Yeah, exactly. And the children would follow him, Mm. and it's their own choice, and that's why the parents... So they're, they're not enchanted magically. They're just like, yeah, sounds great. I'd yeah, like I think there might be a lot of stock in that because even if it's a case of, which is probable, like they wouldn't have to get the children on board, but it's going to be a lot easier to have children willingly follow you than to try and corral them physically and like drag yeah. 130 children kicking and screaming. So, <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't really matter whether or not the parents are happy about it because they know that legally you have to take them like if you don't you'll send back to the king or whoever and be like these people refuse to give up their children and then god knows what they'll do yeah but also because i had always thought in the story Hmm. that it was including like any child that could walk as in above walking age would go like two-year-olds would crossing after him but if he if this like locator did just convince them Mm. by saying it's great children that were able to work at this point were probably being sent off to work Mm. and to earn their keep and so if they said to their if they came back they're like 12 years old and they came back to their mother and they said hey mum, this guy he has convinced me that i want to go and live in bulgaria i don't (laughs) know where they were doing it (laughs) and i want to go and the mum was like okay well you literally either you're just another mouth to feed or you're bringing in a bit of money but really it only covers the food that you eat yeah like sure crack on true so yeah actually i'm warming towards the theory and thinking more about the stained glass window like if it doesn't have negative connotations and it's just a factual piece of art this Mm. happened it's really people afterwards that weren't there yeah that have said oh he stole the children and that he and that put on that he's a magical piper yeah i agree i'm just trying to find where the first um yeah because the the lunenburg manuscript which is the first time when they're like oh it was a piper clothed in many colors and the children were seduced and they were lost um is not until 1440 1450 yeah so yeah and you can I mean, no one's going to be like, oh, thank Christ, yes, take my child. Um, well, a few people might, but but Some it's unlikely. Quite likely, for the most part, it would be, 
oh, well, I don't want to lose my child, but I suppose if they're going to a better life, off you go, darling. When those parents are then, you know, old and still starving, you would be a bit bitter and you'd be like, oh, that stupid old man who came and took my children and then I had no help around the house to your kid, you know, and then yeah. that kid would be like, oh, what? Your children were stolen? How terrible! And then it would kind of escalate. Yes. Although, I mean, obviously I don't know, and it's like case by case, but generally, like, childhood Mm. and, like, caring for your children, it doesn't seem to be so much of a thing, like, early on. Like, obviously Mm. there are exceptions of people that are really maternal Mm. or yeah but like generally it seems like the idea of a childhood comes in with the victorians it's a good point before that it's like oh um well uh i slept with my husband and (laughs) baby appeared nine months later i guess i have to look after it now because like i'll try and keep it alive until it can work for me i guess yes Mm. and so like obviously when people have their baby they're like oh lovely baby (laughs) but it's not so much of a thing of like oh my darling child she is my life no it's it's like oh well you know i did some things and here are the consequences (laughs) and now i suppose i have to keep it alive because murder's against the law yeah and partly again just out of yeah and just out of (laughs) poverty and lack of um education around things like contraception it, yeah again well, it wouldn't no be so much of a reception yeah it, it wouldn't be so much of a choice it's just something that happened and then also it's not like you can go on maternity leave um if you're a working class person because you're then a peasant and you have essentially nothing most probably yeah like i think i think that we are definitely putting onto it our modern idea of oh like you have like one like one to like the average like one to three children and they're Mm. so precious and they're they're little darlings do everything you can for them no like for these people they had no way of preventing having a child yeah other than like one that's quite unreliable and maybe intestines of animals but like yeah i wouldn't trust that also why would you like if you're very poor you would probably prefer to use the animal intestines if even if you realized that it was like oh this is a thing that goes from here to here and if we block it it might not do the yeah. thing they probably even, didn't even know probably that didn't understand that. if you did understand that you might not be inclined to try and save the intestines from your animals you'd be like just take this sheep and give me money <laughs> you know yes well so and i think that was like more edwardian but it probably mm. was going on for a while but my point is is that chi- like people would have loads of kids throughout their lives they some would die as babies some Mm. would die as children and that was just the case and Mm. so i think if a guy comes along and convinces your child that the child wants to go off somewhere abroad and Mm. you're like yeah yeah agreed gets you out of my way i don't have to feed you anymore yeah and then probably it wouldn't be until if at all then much later when you're old and your child would be taking care of you when you're like, what did that stupid man take my child for? Thank you for listening to the Other Martha's Podcast, the show where a drama student and a film graduate talk about things we have no business talking about. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do subscribe to our channel for more. Mm-hmm.